Personality Matters is brought to you by WorkStyle, the lightweight app that teaches employees how to identify, understand, and connect with the different personalities around them in just five minutes of fun training a day. Make your customers love working with you and your employees love working for you with WorkStyle. Visit work.style to learn more or to request a demo. And now, here's the host of Personality Matters, Sheila Lothian. Welcome to Personality Matters. I'm Sheila Lothian, and I think it's fair to say that people are obsessed with personality. I mean, you open up your Facebook page in the morning. On any given day, you're going to see a quiz about which Star Wars character your personality says you are or which Game of Thrones character you are based on your personality. Or you open up a magazine or pull up the internet and you'll see an article about 15 personality traits of successful people or what color should you paint your nails according to your personality. I mean, we just cannot get enough of this stuff. So what's this all about? What is fueling this obsession? Well, at the heart of it, it's really understanding. We're trying to understand ourselves better. We're trying to understand each other better. And that's a great instinct. That's a great thing to want. And personality really can help us get that understanding. I mean, when you understand your own personality style and you understand somebody else's personality style and you know a little bit about those styles and what they want and what they need and what they're all about, that conversation is going to go a lot better. And when you have that understanding about a lot of different personality styles, pretty much every part of your life that involves interacting with another person is going to go better. So today on Personality Matters, we're going to give you a crash course in personality and specifically in the personality model we use here at Mattersight. This is the model we leverage in our products. It's the model that our conversations here on the podcast are going to be referencing. And it's a model that's backed by more than 30 years of research and application. So it's the real deal. Now, you're going to hear us mentioning a lot of different personality styles on the show, six to be precise. You're going to hear us talk about the original, the advisor, the connector, the doer, the dreamer, and the organizer. And so today, we're going to introduce you to each of these styles and give you some clues that are going to help you identify the personality styles of the people you work with, the people you live with, even your own personality style. And with me to do that today is Mattersight's Chief People Officer and Resident Personality Expert, Melissa Moore. Good morning, Melissa. Hi, Sheila. Thanks for having me today. I'm looking forward to talking about this. So glad you're here. Melissa, I'm guessing that our listeners are familiar with a lot of personality typologies out there. Uh, Myers-Briggs is a popular one. A lot of people know if they're an ENFP or an INTJ. DISC is one that I know a lot of organizations use. The model that we use here at Mattersight in our products and the one that we're going to be talking about and the one that will be driving our conversations here on the show is different from these in one key way. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? The model we use here at Mattersight is called Process Communication Model, developed by Dr. Taby Kaler. The thing that makes PCM different than other typologies is that it's language-based. So people actually advertise to the world how they want to be interacted with what's important to them, why they do what they do, through their language. And this is just the advertisement that we can look to to help understand people. You don't have to self-report with PCM. You just speak what's most comfortable for you. Wow, that's really interesting. Really interesting also about the model is that Dr. Kaler began to work with NASA in the 70s. 
And he and Dr. Terry McGuire, the lead psychiatrist for astronaut selection during that time, they decided that by using PCM in the interview process, they could more effectively and more efficiently identify the best astronaut candidates because knowing more about their personality was the best indicator as to how they would work in space, how they would work as a team. And how long did they use this? They used the personality model for about 25 years. Wow. The linguistics piece of it is huge because, as you said, it means you don't have to solicit feedback from someone. You, they don't have to answer any questions or take a survey. You can actually, just by listening to them talk or looking at their written communications, you can identify what, if you know what you're to look for and listen for, you can figure out what their personality style is. Exactly. It's as simple as think about your Monday morning meetings. Some people walk in, they want to talk about their weekend. Others walk in, they're ready to work. It's as simple as that. Could you identify someone's personality style in a text or in social media posts or something like that? Anything that's really their language? Anything that has language, you see personality. For example, my mom. My mom texts, and it's great because it makes it easy for me to get her messages. She cannot send a text that is not written perfectly. She will backspace, backspace, backspace just to put in a comma or to capitalize a letter. And it's like, Mom, you don't need to. I, I understand. She goes, no, I, I can't send it out that way. And I think we're going to find out in a couple minutes what her personality <laughs> exactly. style is, right? Exactly. Okay. Um, all right. So the process communication model, or PCM as we call it around here, identifies six different personality styles. We have the organizer, the connector, the advisor, the original, the doer, and the dreamer. And let's talk about these styles. I want to just give a snapshot of each one. And let's start with the organizer. Melissa, what are these folks like? The organizers, logical, responsible, organized. These are the folks that their lists have lists. They plan for the future. They live in the future. They measure their success by the check marks on their to-do list. They measure their progress by their accomplishments. Think about Martha Stewart, Bill Gates. These are two great examples of people that are just logical and linear in their approach to life. I remember doing a, a training class years ago, and part of the exercise was that people needed to identify a celebrity of a certain style. And one of the instructors got up, and she had picked Martha Stewart, and she showed us a Martha Stewart video. And it was 16 steps to wash a sweater. Now, I don't know about you, but I certainly don't take 16 steps. And it was interesting. Out of a class of 20 people, I could identify the organizers because they were the ones that wanted the URL <laughs> because they had just learned they were doing it wrong for all these years. <laughs> they were so excited that somebody had finally broken it down into this precise, <laughs> exactly. methodical way. Relief. Yeah. Now, the organizers make up 25% of the North American population, 75% hmm. male, and 25% female. Oh. When you want to connect with them, build that lasting relationship, it's really important that they see that you pay attention to detail, that being responsible is just as important to you as it is to them, that you're organized, and that they have this psych need. They need recognition for work. They also need time structure. So it's important to include those in your in your conversations. And what do you mean by time structure? Time structure is they need to know when things start and when they end. Okay. An interesting uh, example, years ago, Matter Site was located in Chicago on the 8th and 9th floor. 
You could see that the organizers, this created a real problem because if they had a meeting eight to nine on the eighth floor and a meeting nine to 10 on the ninth floor, at the beginning of their eight o'clock meeting, they were already trying to plan whether they were going to be late for their next meeting or they would have to leave this meeting early. So that time structure, really, really important. These are the folks that if you look at their calendars, completely booked because you do not waste time. They have every minute of every day kind of slotted and planned and they can anticipate. You're not being responsible if you waste time. So we've got language. Are there other clues that somebody is an organizer? Are they in their dress or in their, you know, the way their desk looks? Are there other kind of signals beyond their words? A lot of organizers, their workspace will be very clear and very organized. Some will have a lot of things on their desk but it's their organization system. Walk in and ask for a magazine from July 2015. They'll have it in their stack. They'll know exactly where it is because it's work they haven't finished yet. So there's a method to their madness. A complete method. In terms of dress, basically it's functional and it is almost like a uniform. It is set out the night before so that everything is ready to go. They'll press their clothes the night before because then it's ready to go because they've already scheduled their morning. Yeah. If something is wrinkled or it's in the dirty laundry, they will be behind schedule right from the very beginning. So they plan their clothing to make sure that it keeps them on schedule and keeps them on time. Yeah. I'm guessing the style maybe doesn't like surprise parties. Is that <laughs> is that accurate? <laughs> you know, and, and it's really kind of an interesting insight. We talk about personality tells us why people do what they do. So you spend time, you throw a surprise party, your organizer's just absolutely in anguish because they don't know how to be responsible when life is chaos. Mm -hmm. And when they walk into their home and a bunch of people jump out and yell surprise, it's chaos. Yeah, they have not planned for that. E exactly, and they don't know what to do. They right. didn't invite these people. They, now, all of a sudden, they're at the center of attention, and they had other things planned for that time. It's also why if you work for an, an organizer, don't surprise them. Let them know what is happening, what kind of work you're doing, what your team is doing, and the relationship will be very, very smooth. Let's get back to the language piece because that's so central to this and so interesting. So let's say I, I have an email. What are the telltale signs that this is coming from an organizer? What am I going to look for? Your organizer in an email or any kind of, of, of written communication, we're going to be looking at bullets. We're going to be looking at specifics. There may be a, hi, how are you? But you know it's just gratuitous. They don't really want to spend time talking about that. They're going to ask very specifically for what they want. Uh, most likely there'll be a time reference when they want it back. Uh, it's going to be specific in the nature of what they're asking and the problem that they're looking to solve. And ideally, you give them that back in return. That's exactly what they want back. It's interesting. We talk about using the language to identify what people want. And years ago, I had an organizer who worked for me who had been out on the road for a week, sent me an email, five paragraphs detailing everything they had done that day. When I read it, because I had my filter on, I was thinking about it from a personality perspective, I realized that she didn't actually want a really long response back from me. What she was looking for was recognition of work, mm -hmm. which is what organizers want. And she hadn't received that recognition of work, so this was a way to try to get it. Very subconscious, I'm trying to get this need met. Yeah, that's interesting too, because the form 
wasn't what necessarily you would expect from an organizer, but within it was this personality need. Exactly. Interesting. Well, I certainly have a few organizers in my life. Um, That's good. They keep you on schedule. They keep (laughs) me on schedule and I need it. So tell us about the connector. The connector, warm, sensitive, caring. These are the folks that just smile at the world. They don't know you, but they see you and they smile because they're just happy to see another person. These are true people people. Think Taylor Swift is a great example. Mm, with the heart. With, the, the exactly. Heart Good. You've seen that too. So for those that, that haven't seen it, her signal when she's up on stage, she actually forms a heart with her hands. And this is how she says she loves the audience. I mean, it's just such a connector thing. You would never see Martha Stewart or Bill Gates do that. No, you would not. <laughs> So they see the world just through this lens of people. They care about people, intuitive about people. These are the folks that will recognize when you walk in in the morning and you're not having a good day. They may follow you to your seat and and wait for you to sit down and see, Sheila, what's happening today? It looks like you're having a rough morning. Well, you're ready just to jump into work. You're ready to do what's next on your list. And you look at this person, and you're like, why are you bothering me? Get get away, you know, <laughs> go. They're like, can I get your coffee? What can I do to help you? Because if they walked in looking like you did, they would want someone to step out, reach out, give them a hug. Yeah. Just let them know, not that it's going to be okay, but that you'll get through it together. And they see you, and they understand and feel you. So intuitive, sensitive, kind of in touch with their feelings on other people's feelings. It is. And, and on a team, if you have a connector and they say, this doesn't feel right, pay close attention. They don't know what it is, but if it doesn't feel right to a connector, it's worth the Something's time to up. go and look, right? So when I when we talk about language of a connector, that's words like feeling. Yes, there's going to be a, a lot of feelings state, a lot of um, I'm scared, I'm cold, I'm hot, I'm they're going to talk about their experience through a feeling state. They'll also talk about other people more. Mm-hmm. You've been wonderful. I love working with you because they want others to feel what they would want to feel themselves. This is the style that will apologize for things that they have not caused, mm-hmm. that they have not done. I walk in, you know, there's no more Diet Coke in the fridge. Oh, I'm sorry. Why is it your fault? But they just want to make sure that that you are okay, that you know it's not your fault. These folks will avoid any kind of discord. They don't like disharmony. Yeah. They want people to, to feel good together. They look for recognition of person. And this is also the style. They want recognition of their sensory needs. These are the folks that will smell things. <laughs> they love the, the scented candles. Yeah. They love things that just, they, they smell good because it makes them feel good. And maybe they have, I mean, I know I see people who have like pillows at their desk and Things that are sort of like homey touches, even not in a home environment. Is Am I seeing some connectors when I Absolutely. We had a client probably about eight years ago, and they recognized that a team they had just formed had 95% connectors on that team. And what they did was they actually, the manager went and received some funds, and they built their break room different than any other break room. It had couches. It had pillows. There were plants. There was soft music playing. There was a bulletin board where people could put up pictures 
of their families and share those parts of them because they wanted to build a space that really re-energized the connectors on their team. The connectors loved it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the connectors from other teams would try to come over. <laughs> kind of. But it just it showed that they were cared about as people. Yeah. And yeah. that is really, really important. How are we going to identify a connector by what they look like, how they're dressed? Connectors will dress for others. So it's very important to them that others look at them and see that they're approachable, that they're nice. Uh, they also dress, uh, texture is very important, those sensory needs. Sensory needs. Um, I interviewed someone uh, once that she was wearing this red sweater, and it was this turtleneck. She was from Austin. She was up in Chicago interviewing. It was a cold day. And I said to her, I said, so how did, how did you pick what to wear today? And she literally gave herself a hug and, and rubbed the, the fluffiness of the sweater. She goes, I love this sweater. It's so warm. And it was a way to make her feel really strong for this interview by what she wore and, and the projection that it, it showed others. That's really interesting. It supports that need for care. Like you feel cared for by the thing that you're wearing. Exactly. And it's always, you know, dressing for others. So which is why they get such a thrill when you say, oh, is that a new sweater? Or that color looks really good on you. It's a way to show that you see them, mm -hmm. that you actually see that they made an effort for you mm -hmm. because they did. They made the effort for you not for themselves. Mm -hmm. These folks make up 30% of the North American population, 75% female, 25% male. Oh, so the kind of the opposite of the organizer. A lot of connectors out there, good chunk of the population are connected. Exactly. And I'm sure in a later podcast, we'll talk about the interesting uh, relationship between organizers and connectors. Yes, because that, that they deserves are. its own conversation. <laughs> All right, let's talk about advisors. And let's just have a little disclaimer here that we both are advisors. <laughs> so we're not going to say anything negative about advisors here. But um, tell me about the advisor. Dedicated, observant, conscientious. These are folks that thrive on formality, on punctuation being 100% correct. Mm -hmm. It's what people should do. It's the right thing to do. They live by their values. There is definitely a black and white. There is definitely a line, and you don't cross over the line. These are folks that at a young age self-select as leaders because it's their job to ensure things get done the right way. Um, Hillary Rodham Clinton is a great example of an advisor, mm -hmm. as is Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. They have a vision for what they're working towards. Organizers need facts. Advisors need opinions. They need beliefs. And that is enough for them to reach a goal. They'll figure it out once they're committed. We say their superpower is commitment. Mm -hmm. And they will be dedicated to the end for what they believe in. They want recognition of work for the greater good. Different from the organizer who just wants their work recognized as being done, the advisor needs a little bit more than that. Exactly, because it's not about individual accomplishment for them. It's about the team coming together to accomplish a big goal. Margaret Mead said it best. She's a, a great advisor. There is nothing that a small group of committed individuals cannot accomplish. And it's this sense of, coming together and all working towards a common goal. And I should note here, because I always think this is so cool, that with our model, you can figure out the personality styles of people in the distant past because we still have their language. And so like Margaret Mead is an advisor, no longer with us, but we can know that from 
the writing and the words she left behind. It is also interesting, and I'm glad you said that, because a lot of these celebrity examples that we use haven't taken the the assessment. Mm -hmm. They haven't taken the inventory. So we don't have results that say that's what these people are. But what we have is their language. Right, right. And when you listen to their language, you'll get that methodical piece. You'll get that warmth. For an advisor, you'll get that, in my opinion, you'll get rhetorical questions from them. They're looking for the why and why people do what they do. It's the person in the meeting who wants to play devil's advocate. It's the person in the meeting who wants to throw out the what ifs and is maybe a little more challenging of whatever's going on in there. They want to feel sure and confident that the right course of action is being taken. It's their job to vet it, whether as a parent, in a relationship, at work. That's what they need because they need that recognition of work for the greater good yeah. and for their convictions. So if they don't press hard enough, if they don't vet enough, if the course of direction is the wrong one, they made a mistake. They were wrong. They didn't push hard enough. That's hard to live with. That's hard to... Impossible. Impossible to live with. Yeah. 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 What do they look like? Conservative. These are the folks they'll wear the pin that shows their affiliation mm, or, the or their support, their, their bracelet. And it'll be because I need, people need to be aware. People need to know. And that loyalty, that affinity that they show by wearing those things shows that they want that recognition for their convictions. This is the right thing to do. It's the right thing to be. This is what I'm committed to. Exactly. And what I believe in. Exactly. Yeah. And Melissa, tell us the breakdown population wise of the advisor. The advisor, 10% of the North American population, 75% male, 25% female. However, over the course of the last decade that I've been talking with people about the model, most people think advisors make up a bigger part of the population because they're so vocal in what people should do. You're very vocal. And, and sharing their opinions. <laughs> um, all right. So the next, so we've done the organizer, the connector, the advisor. Our next personality style is the original. And I love the original. Um, who doesn't? Tell us why we all love originals. Creative, playful, spontaneous. These are the folks that don't color in the lines. They deliberately color outside the lines. Jimmy Fallon, Ellen DeGeneres. This is all about Everyone takes the trash out. The original does a little boogie as they take the can <laughs> down the driveway. There's never been a study that says you have to be serious to be successful. Right. Live in the moment. Enjoy the moment. Originals don't plan for the future because I don't know what I'll feel like doing. Often, these folks are kind of put into the center of the attention. They're like, they're the fun one in the group. So we look to them to create the next fun activity. Then it becomes work. Mm. And then it doesn't become fun for the original. So they're not really the center of attention. They just want to be seen as unique, as different. They march to the beat of their own drum. Something I've learned about originals that I think is really valuable information is the fact that they may seem and look and act as if they're not paying attention. Maybe they're clicking their pen or they're walking around, but that's not what, what's going on, right? That's no, it's the opposite. It, it, it actually, it is the opposite. And I learned this the hard way early on. I was coaching an original and I was in the same room all day. So I took the chair facing the window and he would come in and he found it very hard to concentrate because there wasn't enough 
interaction. There wasn't enough contact. The psych need for an original is contact. I need to be able to see things. I need a lot of activity happening around me in order to think straight. So in a meeting, often there's one person thinking. It's discouraged for everyone to be talking. So they're actually looking for some kind of stimulation to fill that contact need. So it's helping them. It's helping them it to It actually focus. helps them. Yeah. And we shouldn't take that as a deterrent. And it's just they are paying attention, but they're paying attention because they're keeping their mind busy. When it becomes too quiet for an original, that's when they have trouble processing. Mm -hmm. They can work in the middle of a Starbucks. Mm -hmm. They can work in the middle of an airport. Put an organizer in the middle of those crowded spaces, they have a difficult time processing. Yeah. What kind of words do we hear? What's the language of an original? And I, I know the answer to this, and I just love it. But uh, Cool. Awesome. Wow. And on the other side, we get this, oh, this sucks. You have a kid who's an original, hates to clean up his room. Every sock weighs 5,000 pounds. This is so hard. It's not fun. Yeah. And it's just they experience life through likes and dislikes. And they share them freely. Mm -hmm. And if you turn their like into a dislike, you will feel that pain very quickly. Yeah. And informal, right? I mean, they, these aren't people who want to have a structured meeting in a stiff, cold room. They want to, let's go have grab a coffee. Let's grab a drink. Let's go sit in front of the office where all the action is happening. They like to keep it informal. Yes, exactly. And again, their psych need is contact. So they need things happening around them. They want to be seen as unique as an individual. So this requires them to dress a little differently mm. because they want to be seen like that. The best way to recognize by something that they personally choose to wear, a watch, their shoes, a belt, jewelry, anything that looks a little unique that they can personalize and stand out as someone who just doesn't follow the form. Mm -hmm. We had an employee years ago, her boyfriend worked for one of the largest banks in the, in the country. And she said, I don't understand because I think he's an original, but how can he work for such a regulated? He wears a uniform every day. Tell me more. She said, well, he's got the largest sock collection I've ever seen. <laughs> Stripes, bowling balls, fishes, shamrocks, you name it, he wears a different pair every day. That was That's, his way. He, exactly. His way. You know what happened every day when he walked into work. Yeah. Everybody wanted to see what socks he was wearing. <laughs> yeah. So that gave him the energy to be very successful in a formal environment, but he was still his own person. Yeah. He didn't give that up. Yeah. And how many originals are there out there? 20% of the North American population, 40% male, 60% female. Oh, interesting. Kind of a close breakdown there. Well, that's the original. We've got two interesting ones left. Interesting because, if I'm not incorrect, there aren't that many of these next couple that we're going to talk about. Let's talk about the doer. 5% of the North American population, so you're right, we don't see them as often. However, these are the folks that are adaptable, persuasive, charming. Vegas, made for doers. Things happening 24-7. Their psych need is incidents. I had an HR director that flipped houses in his spare time because he was doer, so that's how he got that need of incidents met. So when you say incidents, what exactly does that mean? Stirring the pot. Okay. It is creating a situation where I'm going to win, where it is allows me a chance to be adaptable, to put others on edge so that I can actually 
use the situation to my advantage. Mm -hmm. It sounds kind of bad, but it really isn't. It's no different than any other personality styles. We're just more used to seeing those other personality styles. Right. If you think of Joan Rivers, mm -hmm. she would make outrageous comments that people would laugh at, but feel uncomfortable. And so therefore, she would be able to manipulate that conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, Donald Trump, mm -hmm. another great one. Mm -hmm. If there's not incidents happening, they will stir the pot right. to create that incidence. Yeah, yeah. You know, Miller Lite, Tastes great. Less filling. You two fight it out. I'm going to go have a beer. <laughs> yeah. How do we recognize a doer just purely based on language? What are we going to hear from them? It's actions-based, and it is bottom line, let's do it. Let's hit it. Not ready, aim, fire for them. It's fire, aim, ready. They were born ready. They will, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. It's just very direct. It's very actions-oriented, and it's really just on the mark. They want things to happen. They will push people to make them happen. You mentioned uh, with a couple of other styles of superpower, what's the doer's superpower? Resourcefulness. Mm. They really can land on their feet in any situation. A great example, did you ever see the movie Jerry Maguire? Yes, that's actions at its best. Yeah. That is just that doer over and over and over again. It's all actions. It's all making it happen yeah. every day, all day long. And probably risk takers, like, you know, willing to take a risk because the reward is e worth it. Exactly. The bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. It's great. Uh, bungee jumping, skydiving. Uh, for most of us, we can do it once. And that's more than I've I've done it because yeah. it's just I can't take that just complete overwhelming incidence rate. For them, that's what they need. That's what they thrive on. It's the juice. Mm -hmm. Where's what's the buzz? What do they look like? I mean, do they dress? You know, you, we talked about the original with their crazy socks and their funny tie. What's a doer look like? It's going to be flashy. Mm -hmm. It's going to be flashy. So because if you've got it flaunted, right? So in clothing, it's going to be edgy. It's going to be trendy. It's going to be, look at me. It's going to be a sign that I'm successful, mm -hmm. a sign that I've made it. Look at me. I'm a player. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go make that happen. In cars, it's going to be a flashier car. It's going to be a symbol that I'm making things happen. I'm a deal maker. You should want to hang out with me because I'm the real thing. If a doer isn't getting this need met, what do we start to see and hear from them? Stir the pot. They will create that incidence that they crave. So that's kind of when we've seen, for example, with Donald Trump, some you know, people often call him a bully. In those bullying moments, it's because he's not getting this need met. Example, The Apprentice, the show that he brought on, and first it was you know regular people, and then he brought in the celebrities. Well, he did a great job of creating these teams of celebrities that created their own incidents. Right. And right. so the show was just, it was brilliant because it just, it created instance, people took sides and just the drama was born out. And we talk about that language being actions piece. So what's his tagline in that show? You're fired. <laughs> Direct to the point actions. There's no forgiveness. You don't get to argue a point. Done. Out of here. On to the next. Exactly. And that's where they work. Very successful entrepreneurs. Mm hmm because they can make things happen. And they can take the risk. And they can take the risk. They're willing to take the risk. The other 95% of the population doesn't have that ability right. to just take on that much risk that easily. Right. 
Well, this brings us to our sixth personality style, and that's the dreamer. Tell us about the interesting dreamer. Well, the dreamer Mm -hmm. is quiet, introspective, calm. These are the folks with a very rich internal imagination. They imagine what is happening in life. They will go on long walks and ideas will just come to them. Einstein was a very famous dreamer. He didn't need external stimulation to make it happen. We talk about the original as being creative. That requires external stimulation. For a dreamer to be imaginative, it just happens internally. The closest most of us can get to this is, have you ever had that experience, Sheila, where you're driving home, you pull up off the expressway, and all of a sudden you realize you haven't been present for the last five miles? Mm -hmm. Driving coma, I think they call it. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, for a dreamer, they naturally go to that state. And when you're in that state, there's no need for anything external. And can you ever imagine being bored in that world? And that's what the dreamer says. They're 10% of the North American population, so actually the same as the advisor, but we don't see them out and about as much because they don't need that external stimulation. Mm -hmm. They require solitude. That's actually their psych need. So they will seek out careers, professions, hobbies, different things that will allow them that solitude. A lot of us want alone time. And that's very different than solitude. Alone time is so that we can get our work done or take care of ourselves in some way. Solitude is no external stimulation. So it's not time to read a book. It's not time to go to the gym. It's actually time spent not doing anything with no stimulation, just dreaming. And it is a wonderful imaginative state. Some great writers have come from that because these things happen in their mind and then it just spills out onto the pages. Artists, that again, it just happens in their mind and it it comes out. When we're talking about language and we're talking about a personality style that doesn't like to talk very much, what are the linguistic signifiers of a dreamer or is it a lack of words that kind of lets us know we're dealing with a dreamer? They might use words like, you know, I imagine, Mm. um, There's so many possibilities because they have to sort through the words. They have to sort through and figure out, you know, how do I respond to this? Because it takes energy to come out of myself to interact with you. So their tones are probably a great indicator because they're just calm. They will drift off. Mm -hmm. Um, They might give you an advertisement. I don't know where to begin. Mm -hmm. So they look for that direction from others. The dreamer can be very, very successful in any given situation, just like all the personality styles. If we know what the psych need is, and we can fill that psych need, it's kind of like filling that bucket, then we all have the energy to be successful and do what we need to do. Mm -hmm. But when that psych need is not met, that's when we don't have that same capacity. Right. And you know, you compared the original to the dreamer, and In the same way that originals, you're going to sit in a meeting with them and they may kind of walk around or crack a joke or make a face and you're thinking, are you here? Are you paying attention (laughs) to me? Similar to a dreamer, right? You might see a dreamer kind of staring out the window or staring off into space and think, are they tuned in at all to this? In fact, this is how they tune in to something like a meeting or a presentation. When I see a dreamer, I'll ask questions or actually any of the personalities because I want to know what it's like for them, what their experience is. And I once had a dreamer in a meeting 
And I noticed that for two hours, she never moved. I, I take that back. She moved twice. Uh, it was a friends and family personality training that we were doing for our employees. So during the meeting, she moved twice, once to look at her husband and once to look at the friend they had brought. So I asked her afterwards, and I said, do you realize you didn't move throughout this entire meeting? And she looked puzzled for a minute and, and said, well, if I moved, you'd see me. <laughs> and so for her, that extra distraction of being seen, a possible interaction, would have drained her of energy. Would have shattered she, that solitude. And and so she couldn't have paid attention. Yeah, yeah. And she was 100% spot on in everything that she learned, but she needed to do it without any distractions. Oh, so interesting. So we have the organizer, the connector, the advisor, the original, the doer, and the dreamer. And I know that... All of our listeners right now are <laughs> running through their own selves in their minds and all of the people they know to try and figure out and identify what all of everybody's personality style is. And based on this conversation here, I think somebody should be able to have a fairly good sense. And it really comes down to listening and paying attention to their language first and foremost and listening for those language cues, the behavioral clues, and even even some things like dress and environment and things that really kind of support all of that. But really, it comes down to language in our world. And it's a pretty reliable indicator of personality. It really is. We pick movie characters that we like based upon the language they use. That's why we make our assessments of them. It's on television shows, what appeals to us, very personality driven, if you are in a customer call center and a customer calls in, the agent and the personality of the customer, if we can identify that by the language they use, a very different interaction. Mm -hmm. If that connection happens, it's going to go well. And if that connection doesn't happen, it's not. And we can control that. So much of it by just a little understanding of personality. Exactly right. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Melissa, for sharing your incredible wisdom with us today. And thank you for listening. This is Sheila Lothian. Please join us again next time where we'll continue the conversation about when, where, and why personality matters. You have been listening to Personality Matters with Sheila Lothian. To learn more about the power of positive personality connections, visit us online at mattersite.com. <laughs>